what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network. A monthly conversation about startups, small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, it is our annual Business Lessons from the Movies Podtacular, and we'll be joined by the founders of the Foot Candle Film Society, Chris Fry and Alan Jackson. We're going to give you some movie ideas for the holidays that you can so you can minimize the awkward conversation with your in-laws, plus our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll be highlighting some businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm director of the Manufacturing Solutions Center in Conover, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Executive Dean of Economic Development and Corporate Education at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory. Gary, how's it going today? Jeff, I'm doing great and excited about the holidays coming up. Well, How are you doing? I'm doing How good. How was Thanksgiving? I, I had a I had a COVIDcation over Thanksgiving, but I am, and I'm sitting three feet from you. By well, the way, well, uh, yeah, we're here in early December. I've tested negative. I'm feeling good. It's good to be with you, and it's always good to be with our friends, Chris and Alan. Absolutely. Chris, Alan, how you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Wonderful. This, good to this see is both of you. Our favorite time of year because not only are a lot of Oscar-nominated movies coming out, but we get to come on and do the podtacular. So we look forward to it. It's fun. We yeah. do too. It is our honor and pleasure to have you with us. You know, we, we, uh, I'm a member of the Foot Candle Film Society. I always appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Uh, saw that uh, we get to hear about Joan Baez uh, later this month, so looking forward Correct. to that. But uh, today, you know, our, our goal, what we have to do here is... Uh, you know, we've got to come up with some movie ideas hmm. for our listeners, you know, and, and we want these to have some business lessons in them. Don't have to be business movies, but, you know, we're going to creatively try to uh, intertwine a few business lessons into our movie selections, you know. And I, I think we can help with that. Yeah, that's what, that's <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're ready to go with that. All right. So, yeah. you, know, our, our, you know, and our listeners, we know, uh, you know, we're, we're all excited about the holidays you know, every now and then we need some downtime, a little bit of break from the family. So we, we wanted to give you some ideas from movies that you might be able to turn on and uh, entertain the family. You know, some of them might be for the whole family. Some of them might not be. We'll try to uh, give you a little bit of direction there. But uh, uh, we always have fun with this. So, yeah. Alan, Chris, you know, w which one of you guys wants to, to lead us off today? Oh, gosh. Everybody's pointing at me. So I guess that's going <laughs> to be right, me. So well, that's fine. I, I can start us off. That's all right. right. That's all right. Um, okay, I, I'm gonna. I got one. I was debating between a few beforehand. I, I this has been a year where there's been a lot of movies about business. Uh, I know some of you guys are going to be recommending ones that I would probably going to consider recommending as well. But I've pulled those off my list. And thank, said, you know thank what? You. No, I'm going to go a little <laughs> deeper. I'm going to go a little deep dive on this and, and, and bring up an interesting, uh, interesting one for you. So uh, anybody a fan of the of the game pinball? Mm -hmm. You may play pinball a lot growing, growing up, up, you yep. know. Yeah, oh, sure. Okay. Pinball. So this seemed to be the year where there were movies made about these old nostalgic pastimes. We had a movie about the Beanie Baby craze, which I never saw. Don't know if it was any good or not, but I'm not recommending that one. We had a movie about uh, Tetris, which I did see. I didn't like a lot. Um, <laughs> 
But now another one. just here throwing movies under the I bus. Am. That's I'm right. Throwing them under the bus. That's it's right. just the holiday season is what I do. Just <laughs> throw them under. Uh, but it, there was one movie that came out that I don't think a lot of people saw. Uh, Chris and I did discuss it on our podcast. We reviewed it. It is Pinball. And it's the Pinball, the man who saved the game. Okay. So this is the story, the true life story of Roger Sharp, who's a young mid- Midwesterner who overturned New York City's 35-year-old ban on pinball machines. First off, did not realize New York City had a ban on pinball machines for 35 years. What is it for? More, more, more government gambling. overreach, no doubt. That, yeah. What was it for? It was gambling. It was They considered yeah. it like a form of gambling. Yep. So because it was like they felt like it was a game that was more based on luck, you know, or it mm-hmm. didn't skill. So that was kind of the argument for it with pinball. Well, so this guy, Roger Sharp, comes to New York City. He's an author. He's looking for some inspiration. He's going through some tough times in his life, and he finds a pinball machine at a establishment. It is, quote, undercover pinball machine. It's not one that's a legal pinball machine, but he still finds it and gets wrapped up in it and starts playing it. Sets himself off on a path of saying, I want to figure out how to get that ban reversed because this is a game that means a lot to me. It's a game that I have fun doing. I enjoy it, and more people should be able to enjoy this game. So that's the path he went on. It it's a really good movie. It's well acted. It's got a great story to it. Not um, not a documentary. No, not no. a documentary. It is acted film. So, okay. uh, but I think there's a scene early on, and I had to go back and watch part of it just to remind myself of it. That really kind of sums up why I think it's a good business lesson as well. It's so so this gentleman Roger, you know, he he finds the pinball machine. He starts playing it. He's not that great at it. He's kind of getting his trying to get the hang of it. And he meets up with someone who's a much more expert player. They kind of have an encounter. And in learning to play pinball, he asks that other player, he's like, so what do I aim for? Like, when I'm playing pinball, what do I aim for? And the guy tells him and says, well, what do you want out of the game? And all of a sudden, that kind of changes his whole perspective of the game. It's not this thing where you have to try to hit a certain target or aim for a certain thing. It's like, no, I'm going to kind of decide how I want to play the game and how I want to try to keep uh, getting the best score I can on it and getting the most enjoyment from it. So kind of that little lesson of it's not really having to figure out something to aim for. It's like, no, what do you want out of this? What do you want out of this experience? And I thought that was kind of an interesting broad, broad message to kind of share from a business perspective too. He got into something that he's really involved in. He really enjoys he took the efforts he needed to take to kind of figure out how to make it something that other people can now enjoy and experience and not be taken away from them. Um, just an interesting story. So I think there's some interesting business lessons in it too. Uh, to me, it's just fascinating to know that yeah, there was a ban on pinball machines. I was say, we learned something new in our, <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, podcast. Him having to go into a courtroom and, and just demonstrate how it's truly got some basis for skill in it. And it's not just a pure luck driven game. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a really interesting story. It actually had so. a hearing where they had a pinball machine set up and yeah. they came in and like demonstrate. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool. cool. <laughs> I, I, I guess I always assumed that things would be banned if they actually had a payout. I right. don't, I, and, mm-hmm. and the pinball that I have played, right. the, the only payout was, Oh, I might get an extra, you get an extra ball, ball, or something, ball, ball, right? Right? something like that yeah. back but in the day. So that was anyway. the deal. So, uh, very interesting. And I think it's just a, it was an interesting movie. It was better than better than it deserved to be. Um, that was the thing is we saw it. We saw it listed. We saw it kind of promoted a little bit. Very, very little people. A few people saw it. But um, 
What is it on? Is it just on any of the streaming service now? Is it just uh, I think so for I mean, rental or yeah? And it never came to a theater; it just went straight online. Yeah. So that was why I think it flew under the radar for a lot of people. Safe for the kids or uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a PG thirteen movie. I, yeah, think. Okay. I don't remember anything. Yeah, anything upsetting about it. So show it, show it to your kids. I want a pinball machine for Christmas. <laughs> That's there, right. you go. there you go. It does wow. a good job of selling the game of pinball. So yeah, uh, I found myself wanting to go play pinball after watching it and. Uh, so anyway, it has some good good messages to it, some good uh, good interesting uh, knowledge about a certain aspect of business that um, I did not realize. So uh, that is Pinball, the man who saved the game. Uh, it is, gosh, it's got in it starring. Um, you might have seen it. Did you see the the remake of West Side Story that Steven yep. Spielberg mm-hmm. did? So it's got the guy who was kind of like the second in command guy on the. Jets, I believe yeah, the, the bad, the bad, side. the bad the guy, bad kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 stars in this as as Roger, and uh, he's great. Yeah, he's really good in it. So it's a it's a good movie. Okay, and he's got Very an good. amazing mustache. Yes, in the movie. <laughs> yes, he does. It's yeah. awesome. Okay, you'd yeah. watch wow. it just for that. There yeah, you go. absolutely. All right, very great. good. That's Very my pick. Well, sounds like a good start. Awesome. All right, Chris, what uh, what recommendation are you bringing? So Alan was kind enough to defer and not recommend this movie so that I could, because uh, he and I both saw it. We reviewed it on the show, uh, BlackBerry. And as you can imagine, it is about the BlackBerry device. And it really, I think most people, if you're listening to this show, you probably remember the BlackBerry. And you're like, you don't hear about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason. <laughs> um <laughs> It, this, the film follows the story of two gentlemen, Mike Lazaridis and Doug Fregan, and they are kind of the people that kind of came up with the idea of the phone. And, you know, they were the movie probably stereotypes them a little bit as being like nerds and geeks and not really. They were just really enjoying developing something new in the creative side. Well, then they hire somebody named Jim Basile, who was a businessman and he was cutthroat businessman. Now. He did manage to get the BlackBerry to where it was, but the two sides of the creative side and the business side, they did not work well together. (laughs) And ultimately that caused for a lot of strain on the company and people went their different ways. And then there was a a frustration point where they refused to kind of innovate and they didn't want to do an on-screen keyboard because the BlackBerry was famous for, you know, the little Mm -hmm. actual physical keyboard that people Mm -hmm. could use. And they're just like, no, nobody's going to want an on-screen keyboard. That's dumb. Why would you ever want that? iPhone comes, iPhone has it, BlackBerry quickly goes away. And they actually show that in the movie, kind of the realization of like, Oh no. Like, <laughs> so um, it's, it's an enjoyable movie. It is not one for the kids because there's some foul language often coming from the gentleman that's the business guy because he is very direct, very cutthroat. Um, it's an enjoyable performance just because uh, Glenn Howerton plays the Jim Basile and he's just, he is ruthless, but he's fun to watch because he's so like, like a villain, you know, you can tell like, Oh, this guy, this guy's going to be trouble. <laughs> and he, and he is, but it, it's, so it's a good business lesson. Maybe just be careful. You know, when you're getting into business with business people, with, yep. and even if it is a massive success, just kind of, you know, make sure everybody's kind of aligned on where you want things to go and how you want things to work because yeah, it can lead to trouble. <laughs> or if you get the wrong partners, right. It will right. be a problem. Exactly. And I'll tell you, I am, disappointed in myself that I didn't fight harder to be able to recommend this particular movie <laughs> because the second I saw this movie and finished it, I saw it twice actually in the same week. 
I immediately said, that has to be my pick for the <laughs> podtacular in December. And then I hear rumblings that it's going to be used by somebody else at the table here. I'm like, fine, I'll find out. Well, uh, I understand it's, it's a Blackberry's f- great. It's also funny. I, oh, I, yes. I mean, it is. I mean, it's, it not, is. it's not just uh, people swearing at one another, but uh, there, there's... No, it's it, funny. I've seen the trailer. I've not seen the movie. It's yeah. on my list of things oh, to it's, see. It's really good. It and was it, actually one of my favorites this, this past year. And actually... Um, it's one of those movies where you can go in just thinking, oh, I want to laugh. And you will. But you actually, I felt like I learned a lot about, you know, companies and what, what you need to kind of be aware of. And yeah, because it's funny poking fun at the nerds who all they want to do is sit around and play games all day. They still get their work done. But it was a totally different work environment to what the businessman coming in. He's like, nope, you will do this. You will do this. And they're mm-hmm. like, what? You know, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's really enjoyable. It's the great combination of entertaining but also, it was educational. So I, I would say from the business uh, side of it as well, I think people can fall in love with their products, and you know, it's we love the keyboard. You know, we're not going to change the keyboard, and they get blindsided by new products that come in and take can wipe their business away. Yeah. and I suspect that's, that's what happens here. I'm sure that's the, the message. Most, yeah, the most fascinating part of the film for me is kind of on that idea that you know they had formed this product and they got it in the zeitgeist of everybody. Everybody and it loved was, it was the Blackberry. Dominant. It was dominant, dominant, and then dominant. A pivotal moment in the film is when the iPhone is introduced and watching all of the people, both at Blackberry and the carriers that they're having to partner with AT&T and Verizon and all these companies that they're pitching to their reaction to that iPhone product announcement. And like half of them are just like, Oh, you know, we think everything ought to be like this now and make it like this. And the other half are, no, 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 that's ridiculous. They'll never, the audience, the general public will never go for this. We're going to keep it the way it is. Watching that pull, tug and, uh, tug and pull going on after that um, was just amazing to watch in a film version. And it was entertaining to watch, but it was also extremely educational about the marketplace and how how ruthless it was at that time period, especially. So anyway, yeah. it, was a really, it was a really good movie. And today, iPhones have what percentage market share? I don't know what it is, but, know, but it's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. 110. Yeah, 110%. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's um, good. If it's not an iPhone, it's now phones that look just like an iPhone. So right. that's pretty much it. So yeah. Very and, cool. And, and, do Blackberry still exist? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. It's been do, a long time since I've heard the word do, Blackberry. It's, uh, very Actually, small, it's a very small uh, niche, uh, niche yeah. audience for sure. So, yeah. All right. Mm. Gary, you always bring some interesting movies uh, God bless to, you. To, to the podcast <laughs> and find a way to intertwine business lessons. What are you gonna What are you gonna share with us today? Well, I've got just like uh, we were talking about, had multiple ones to choose well, from. You have another chance, so don't shoot all your bullets. Okay. Okay? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm trying. Okay, I'm gonna go with King Richard. Mm, King Richard. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why did I choose that? Uh, you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, actually, it was in an afternoon, just started watching it, and I said, hey, this is pretty interesting. I mean, I heard some very positive things anyway. Yeah. And, of course, it's about Venus and Serena and their dad and how he managed them through their careers, or starting from when they were knee-high to a grasshopper to become superstars. But it's also a lot about the business side mm-hmm. and what he did. You know, some people thought he was doing some really good things. Some people thought he was taking advantage of but as it turned out, yeah, you know, he was he was doing a lot of good positive things. Yeah, for the his daughters. I I thought it was a surprisingly good movie. Yeah, I, I, I did I'm, too. I'm typically pretty critical of 
Yeah, I'm a big tennis buff, and I, you know, I, I'm always critical of films that are about the tennis world and kind of the biography side of it. I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's a good word. Interesting. A lot I, of things I, I did not know, did not did know. not know about that family and their relationships for sure. So. Yes. Well, good. Well, something too. Now I'm. I am aware of the game tennis, but I am terrible. I do not follow it very well. And You're more I thought, of a pickleball guy, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <I> just, <laughs> one of those yeah. pickleballs. But I, so, Alan, you'll have to help me here. But one of the things I found fascinating, of course, apparently I've already forgotten it, was the movie focused on one of the sisters mm-hmm. being the main one. And then it turns out the other one, sorry, I don't know fill in the names here yeah, in a second. Man. Venus was, Venus 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 was the yep. one that was kind of all the hopes were on Venus. Yep. But and then it turns Serena out Serena is okay, the one. Exactly. I mean, they're both. They're both they're, really they're, they're, good. Yeah, they're but, both good, but it was yeah. fascinating to see. It was like, oh, this attention's on Venus, but like Serena was learning the same things and coming along, and then boom. Yeah, she, I mean, she, yeah like you say, both were good, but, but the whole thing of right kind past. of having like yeah. lessons learned, and that's kind of a thing like you watch and you wait, and then, yeah, she actually yeah. kind of overcame. I mean, you had a great one in Venus, yeah, well, yeah. but her sister was but, see, one of the best ever. It's kind of the exact same story I've got with me and my brother. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I was that. the older sibling. We both played tennis. I was... Really good. That's what that's yes. the word you use there. Yes. Uh, I'm going to steal your words. And yes, my younger brother comes up and turns out to be much, much better than me. And so that's where he... Well, that's because he learned from you. Right. That's what I say it was. I was more of an inspiration, yeah, I think, exactly. to him than you, anything. You so. paved the path. I and, did. And I think at the end of King Richard, I doesn't... Uh, uh, the dad tell his younger daughter Serena said that there are great things in store from you and you are going to be the greatest player of yep, all time that's or exactly something right. to that effect I mean, so, it's got a great ending that so I mean, we're going to have a sequel are... you know, or is, or is uh, Will Smith still uh, untouchable I, uh, <laughs> I don't Will's think that's going to happen still <laughs> person non grata right now I think so yeah now, now, now he won best actor for that he did uh, yep. mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. is that the same award show where he whacked yep. uh, Chris Rock mm-hmm. it is same one okay. yeah. Okay. He got the best actor award after punching the MC. So yeah, after uh, punching the MC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Well, that's so you know makes for a good show. <laughs> there you go. Show, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, King Richard. That's good. It was a good movie. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. All right. Good. Good job, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Right. So, so you guys mentioned that there were some some good business oriented movies that came out this year. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and, and and there are some years when I think we struggle a bit, uh, and we have to go back in the archives and the vault <laughs> to find some things that we think yeah. might fit the, the. But I I also saw that there's some good things, and I'm going to recommend the movie Air, mm-hmm. which uh, is about the Nike basketball shoes and Mikey Nike's quest. Mm-hmm to develop their strategy for selling basketball shoes, which revolves around them recruiting one player, Michael Jordan. Now, as listeners of the podcast know, I'm sort of in the bag a little bit for the University of North Carolina, which I attended, which Alan also attended, and I suspect he's in the bag there as well. I am. I have got, I have got like multiple layers of bags I am deep into <laughs> okay. at the bottom of, yes. Yeah, so. But, but yeah, you know, the story, you know, I don't know if Michael Jordan actually speaks, and we don't mm. really see Mike. We see the back of Michael Jordan is, you know, we, we, you know, we're, we're sort of, kept away from him that's sort of part of the attraction of the movie and it really focuses more on his his mother and and her relationship with the uh, the guy that plays Sonny Vaccaro which is Matt Damon Ben Affleck's playing Phil Knight and you know he has a lot of fun with that mm-hmm. and, and uh, um, you know it's just just uh, 
at the time, Nike really does not sell a lot of basketball shoes. They're more of a running shoe, and Adidas and Converse are the two big brands, and everyone assumes that Michael Jordan is going to go with one of them because I, I think he was wearing Adidas. I'm not sure at that point in time, but he— I don't remember, but yeah. It was one of the two. He, you know, he, he never wore Nike shoes, and— mm-hmm. His college basketball team did not have an arrangement with uh, Nike. They they were not providing that sort of equipment to him. So they uh, really had to do some out-of-the-box thinking on how to recruit Michael Jordan. And and uh, Matt Damon encourages his engineering department to come up with a totally new shoe uh, and comes up with a totally new pitch where they're going to just focus on one person and convinces Michael Jordan and really convinces his parents that uh, he doesn't want to be one of a stable of many different basketball players. This is going to be all about him and going to create his brand. And, uh, you know, it's a, a totally new pitch. Uh, if you believe the movie, and I think it's relatively accurate, uh, uh, the shoe they came up with actually would cause Michael, if he wore it during an NBA basketball game, he would actually be fined for wearing yeah. it because I think the shoes had to be white at that point mm-hmm. in time, and they came up with a red shoe mm-hmm. that was totally out of the box and uh, uh, made their pitch, and, and ultimately Michael Jordan's mother calls and says they're in with with a catch they want a commission on mm-hmm. all the uh shoes sold uh, which is unheard of at the time and uh nike ends up agreeing to it and ultimately it worked out well for everybody i think i think it worked out pretty <laughs> good for them i think they did all right yeah um, so you know from from a business lesson perspective you know uh we all we all talk about uh, coming up with some sort of competitive advantage and finding a unique way to market yourself. And, and Nike came up with a unique, unique shoe, unique way to market Michael Jordan, which worked mm-hmm. out very well. You know, and, and one thing out there, and, and I'm not sure this is a lesson, but I sort of want to throw it out there. You know, they, they bet on one guy. Mm-hmm. There are times when you bet on athletes, or not just athletes, people that – feels like the right thing to do but then they end up getting arrested or, mm-hmm. or embarrassing themselves in one way so yeah. it is it can be a risky strategy we just talked about one yeah we this did true. absolutely yeah that's right um so you know that can be a risky strategy in this case they bet on the right horse who uh at the time was a very good college basketball player. No yeah. one really knew what he would develop into. Right. You know, arguably the greatest basketball player. You know, people from UNC will argue that all day long. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure. Well, people uh, from Wake Forest will do that. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it was it was there was a lot of risk in this strategy as Absolutely. well that all that paid off for Nike. Certainly paid off for Michael Jordan. Well, I think it kind of there are echoes of that kind of from BlackBerry that we talked about taking risks. And so they were like putting all the money behind one person, like, no, 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 no one else does that. They're like, right. But that, that's what we're going to do. We think that we think this is going to be big. The whole fine thing. They're like, that's advertising. Great. Whatever it is, fine. We'll pay it. And it's like, okay, that's an interesting way to think about it. And I think it obviously, like you say it, it paid off. It paid off. <laughs> work. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly think, and this is why I knew you two would be picking these two films. I think Blackberry <laughs> I think Blackberry and Air are the two best business lesson films. I mean, absolutely released this year, but they both just for somebody really looking for some insight into the business world, some some hopeful good inspirations of do what to do or not 
not to do, you know, and I think these two are just really good in those examples. So yeah, air is great. And kind of educational for me because I didn't really realize that Nike was usually just originally a running shoe, like their basketball. They just were not even a blip, barely a blip. They just didn't exist. And now like, yeah, that's what you think of them. (laughs) I mean, they still do running shoes. I have some, but yeah, I mean, for them to go from being kind of third, fourth tier to being one of the best, it's pretty impressive. And it was it was a fun movie. I mean, it was. I was, yeah. you, know, you Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were, when they're in the same movie. That's sort of a fun <laughs> dynamic. And Jason Bateman and Chris I like Tucker Jason Bateman. Yeah. There and <laughs> you know, it's sort of a a fun movie. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, I think, and yes. and there might be some language, but it's it's relatively tame. It's relatively good. Uh, yeah. I think the biggest lesson to pull away from that movie is. I think everybody needs a mother like Michael J- oh. Michael Jordan's mother if you're going to be making any kind of business deal. <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a yeah. mother or some sort of mentor, somebody like gonna, that yeah, needs yeah, to be in your life. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you Fair if point. you would uh, rather let somebody fight some battles for you, um, she was good. She was so, tough. She was tough. She was tough. Good. Yeah. All right. All right, Alan, you're back up, buddy. Okay, so I'm going to take a little different approach on this other pick here. Um, I think this movie has some possible business lessons within the movie itself, but I'm actually going to take a different slant. I want to talk about this movie and the business lessons we learned from how this movie came out and was released and was marketed and became the biggest movie of the year. That's the Barbie movie. Okay. So a, just go on record. I think this is a good movie. I like this movie a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, And there, you, you could argue that there's some lessons in there about, authenticity of, of people and its relationship to a, a brand like Mattel, the brand that released the Barbie dolls. Mattel is actually a character in the movie. You know, there's actually some meta commentary about products and business and, and the marketing of those products. But what I think is more interesting about this movie, the Barbie movie is how it was actually marketed itself and was released in such a way that it's a good business lesson just in itself from a movie release standpoint in marketing, they, I don't know if you guys remember when this movie first got announced, they started building anticipation for this movie really, really early on. There was a lot of social media buzz going on about it. There were a lot of talking about it. A lot of it was fueled by the makers of the film to get energy and enthusiasm built up for this film. There were so many like social media memes about the movie leading up to it that people were using. Um, they, partnered with a lot of different brands to help market the film in advance and kind of a lot of really interesting collaborations with different brands that they were using to market the Barbie movie before it came out. If you went to the theater to see the movie, like they actually had in a lot of theaters, these giant stand up cardboard boxes, you could go inside and take your photo of. They, They just made it an event to go see this movie. And then they targeted it at obviously an audience that I feel like they, they knew was a little underserved in movies which is female audiences and maybe going from both young audiences that would actually be current Barbie owners to older audiences that grew up with Barbie and had the recollection for it. They marketed to all those age groups. And then the movie itself is actually kind of polarizing. I mean, and I think they fed on that. They actually knew that there were going to be some people who maybe liked some messages from the movie, maybe didn't like some messages from the movie and they kind of just, went all in on that and said, look, this is a movie that has a lot of opinions out there, a lot of things. And, you know, you may come away kind of 
not liking some elements of it and you may come away loving others and we're okay with that. We want this to be kind of more of a, a movie for everybody to come and have a different experience with. So the marketing of the movie is what I think is the business lesson from that particular movie is find a, a, a market that hasn't really had a chance to be promoted to in a product like a movie as much. Take your time to really spend time to build up that movie, to build up uh, your product in advance, get a lot of people excited and build a lot of anticipation. Use a lot of a lot of partnerships to kind of help promote it for you. And then um, create an experience out of your product or service, in this case, the movie. So I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still fascinated that this movie is the biggest grossing movie of the year, uh, beating all expectations. And they just really did a masterful job of marketing it and promoting it and getting people on board with it. Plus the movie itself actually features somebody playing Ruth Handler, who was the actual founder of Barbie. Mm-hmm. So you actually get to see her and she plays a role in the film. And there's some interesting insights from her in the film about why she created the care, the, 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 the product of, of Barbie and what she meant it for and all that. So some interesting notes. I mean, I think anybody just fascinated in taking a toy quote, and, you know, turning it into such a gigantic brand that everybody in the world knows. And then how do you capitalize on that in a film? I don't know. I don't think it's just, I think it's an interesting business developed. lesson. I'm sorry. When was Barbie developed? Oh gosh. It was like, was it like the thirties or forties? I thought, or I maybe even fifties. They do mention it in the movie, but I can't. Yeah. Remember. It's been, it's I mean, been at least forever. 50 years. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not longer than that. So yeah. You, you, you probably had some when you were a kid, didn't you? <laughs> Let's not talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But yes, okay. And GI Joe. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to mention the marketing. Then the kind of unintentional marketing that ended up happening was Oppenheimer and Barbie, and you had the whole Barbie Barbenheimer thing happening. That's a little bit of that collaboration. They kind of leaned into it, like, "Hey, let's let's have fun with this." There's a movie that's the complete polar opposite of our (laughs) movie coming out the same weekend. Let's have fun with it. Let's let's partner and make a good collaboration effort, and it paid off because both films hugely successful and that that opening weekend is kind of seen as like a reigniting the box office that we've been seeing a little dormant for the last few years so Mm -hmm. i just think there's a lot of interesting business lessons from not just the film but the efforts around the film to get people to see it so uh i think it's worth a worth a watch just for that that standpoint have you guys seen it have not I'm not, not but no Barbie and no Barbie. Anybody's look, it's a fun movie. All All right. It's good. My, my wife says I need to see it. So I'm, yeah, I guess I'll fun. have to, it I'll have to see it. Now, Ryan Gosling going to get Gosling an Oscar was, nomination. I don't know. He was, he's really good. He in it. Good. I mean, he and Margot Robbie are both really good in the roles. And uh, the film's just very inventive. It's very, it's fun. Uh, it does have enough. Uh, adult level humor to kind of keep you engaged. It's not just playing to the kids. The whole time. Kid right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I just think it's I think it's a good movie. Good for the whole family? Pretty much. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think so. I mean, there'll be some things that would fly over the heads of some really young young people. Which is probably good. No, it's I good. Mean, There's some humor the that's thing. a little more, um, you know, maybe a one or two couple instances of some language. But no, it's fine. It's actually, I will say this, it's really posi- positive messaging for young women, yeah. for girls, for, for uh, yeah. So that's absolutely good that's why I would encourage it for a family viewing. If you've got females in the house, that's a, uh, it's good messaging. It's good, 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 uh, 
good discussion points. It follows in the long line of things like Pirates of the Caribbean and then the Lego movie. I heard about both of them. I'm like, why would I want to see a movie about a ride at Disney World? That sounds dumb. Turns out, good movie. It was fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Lego movie, same thing. I was like, I don't want to see that. It's like, movie about Legos? No. Great movie, fun, you know. So mm-hmm. this like Barbie movie, you're like, eh, you know. But no, it's actually I found it really enjoyable. So it's another one of those where surprise, it's actually pretty good. So yeah, it's worth checking out for sure. So that is Barbie, Barbie directed movie. by uh, Greta Gerwig, um, highest grossing film by a female director ever, which is also pretty cool too. Oh, very good. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. All so, right, sounds good, Chris. So I'm going to go way off the beaten path with uh, with this one. But I think it is kind of a tradition here. A lot of times I do use a documentary as mm-hmm. one of my choices. So that's what I'm going to do with uh, this choice. So tell me, uh, do you guys remember right off the top of your head, do you know what the album cover to Dark Side of the Moon looks like? Yes. Alan says yes. I, I do not. Jeff Neville says no. Okay. Gary says no. Okay. that That's okay. Um I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Well, you have seen these album covers. So Dark Side of the Moon is the prism with like the light, bolt of light and then it mm-hmm. turns into a rainbow. Okay, now you're nodding yeah. your heads. Okay. So the people responsible for these images was a art company, kind of a collective called Hypnosis. And they were in England. And it was these, basically it was these two guys. One was, they have awesome names. One is Storm Thurgensen. <laughs> and the other guy was Poe, it's short for Powell, which is his last name. They got together. They were both like art students. They got together and made this really wild, weird collage for some musician friends, Sid, David, and Roger. The resulting album and album cover was Saucer Full of Secrets, which was one of Pink Floyd's first albums. They then go on to make a lot of their album covers, Pink Floyd's. Not only that, they then go on to make album covers for Paul McCartney, Led Zeppelin, Peter Gabriel. So like I'm saying, it's when they're holding these at some point in the, the film, they have one of the artists, he's like pulls out his portfolio and he's holding up these images and you're like, Oh yeah, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. I've seen that, seen that set. So it's just awesome. The amount of art that these guys did and they started from nothing. Um, problem kind of similar to Blackberry. They're both very creative individuals. One was more of the photography end and that was Poe. And then Storm Thurgensen had kind of an idea how to do like, collages and he organized talent like you would they have some behind the scenes of him talking to paul mccartney to do the band on the run album thing and the way he's talking to him, like i can't believe he's talking to a beetle like that but he's like do this nope do that like if you're like okay but he was and everybody kind of the documentary admits a little hard to get along with sometimes very abrupt but genius mm. very genius with his ideas the album covers that he pulls off but unfortunately, it was a little bit of that that happened with him rubbing people the wrong way. And also, he was so much so an artist, he did not really monitor the money or mm-hmm. how much was being spent. And it's so much so that at one point, Poe's like, okay, um, I'm out. <laughs> because he kind of sees where it's going. He's like, you know, we've, had some, we've done some really good work. They did like, I think, almost every album cover for Led Zeppelin. So there again, big deal. And even though they were getting paid well, the money was going out just as fast as it was coming in. <laughs> so unfortunately, yeah, they kind of parted ways, but it's just a fascinating story. And just, I love creative documentaries that show you kind of the behind the scenes and how they did things. Some of the album covers are just amazing. The stuff that they would do and get away with was pretty amazing stuff that probably wouldn't fly nowadays. Um, but yeah, just really, really 
cool stuff, like lighting a guy on fire for the Wish You Were Here album cover. And yes, they did that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, we don't get to see many album covers these days. I mean, well, no, that's, that's true. That's, yeah, yeah. Some people listening might do what? So, yeah, even after albums, there were these things called CDs, and they would have a little bit mm-hmm. of, you know, art in there. But, yeah, nowadays, yeah, it's, it's hard. But there was an art form, not only to mm-hmm. the music, but then to the album art. So this kind of made me nostalgic about that. So the name of the documentary is Squaring the Circle, the Story of Hypnosis, and that it's on Netflix. So if you have a Netflix subscription, it's free. Go in there and watch it. And just, Alan, for you, the director is somebody that's really heavily involved with, I think, you, you two and Depeche Mode, Anton Corbin. Oh, he yeah. He did yeah. a lot of their oh, video he work. did that film? Yeah, so oh, he I did it. So it looks like really sharp. Stuff. The images yeah, yeah. and everything are really cool. In oh, that's it. So, good. If you like music and you want a little business lessons too, squaring the circle, the story of hypnosis is is a cool cool one to watch. That sounds really so, interesting. Yeah, I like it, and I like the message because a lot of the movies I look at, it's about athletes or entertainers that make a lot of money, but because they're so focused on their craft, somebody's <laughs> sure. taking advantage of them. Right, and this and that's basically real. they were taking advantage of themselves. Unfortunately, yeah, it was they, like they, they were living well, <laughs> and yeah, one of them so much so and it was like okay and it kind of fell apart which is a shame and it's funny too because they're still really well thought of um one of the musicians in the band oasis he was sent they were commenting to him like oh you had this album come out and like why didn't you use them he's like oh we couldn't afford them <laughs> it's like because mm-hmm. they were really really because they were good at what they did they became known as this you know as a brand is like oh you had an album cover done by hypnosis Ooh, you know it was a, it was a big deal so and, and i'll assume the business model for doing album covers is it's a one-time it's not like you get paid on album sales it's like i'm I gonna do that right yeah. i'm gonna do the artwork you're gonna pay me a fixed amount and have a nice day right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah a lot so, of one-off yeah projects yeah. sure okay well you know and and you know the vinyl is has made a comeback is making yes. a comeback you know True. uh you know, my parents uh, sold all my albums out from under me when I went to college, and now I've got like <laughs> mm. boxes of CDs, and I don't know what to do with them. Mm. I have a, a decent little album collection at home, so collection from both sets of parents and our family kind of filtered down, and luckily my wife and I both listened to a lot of albums when we were young and have been fortunate enough to keep a hold of them, so... Um, I'm very happy with my little collection. It, it still doesn't beat the convenience of playing the music on your on your phone and know. streaming. But sometimes it's nice just to take an extra moment and put it on the turntable the and yep. you know listen to all the pops and crackles on it. And, it's, uh, mm-hmm. and plus the album artwork, I do miss that. I really, really do miss that. So yeah. I'm. You'd mentioned this re- re- to us. I think you re- you recommended it in a podcast episode, Chris. But I didn't pay enough attention to you. <laughs> I have now listened to you a second time. I yeah. definitely need to see this documentary. I so listened thank to you, Chris. <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. Yeah, somebody does. <laughs> I'm not going between the two. All right. <laughs> well, well, Gary, it is your turn. So it you is my to, turn. You need to give us a, another uh, a recommendation. Well, and I've, it's one you probably haven't heard. Ooh. Because I went back so many years. I actually okay. went to see the I date. I like that. Because I try to watch it every year. And I guess because I've watched it many years. And the first <laughs> time I did uh, or so, it, it didn't really hit me. And this year, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, oh, I think I've heard of that. Story. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I always think of it as a feel-good, uh, a sad feel-good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I have to always watch the last 30 minutes. I don't watch the first part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Every time it comes through, you know, I sit there and the business and the way he handled business for the 
community and when they needed him, all those good things he did came back uh, mm-hmm. in spades. Uh, so so take care of your business in the proper way. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and be that good person. And the one, and sometimes they may go away from you for a while, but when the chips are down, the community came back. I was, an angel got his wings. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was really surprised. I mean, you mentioned how kind of sad it is for four fifths of the movie. Yes. I mean, it really is. I had forgotten just how kind of it's tough a, it is. It's a, it's a tough, tough movie. Tough movie it's black it does go on gracious. It does pay off, but it does. Man, <laughs> you, you, I'm not kidding. I now watch the last 30, 45 yeah. minutes yeah. because I, I just don't like to go through that yes. dark. Well, I, I will say that uh, when when my children were younger and we had a hard time getting them to go to bed on Christmas Eve, we would make they would that watch a It's a Wonderful one. Life. They would pass out on the floor yeah. and we would carry them to bed. So uh, <laughs> they, they at that younger age did not have as much an appreciation for it. That's right. Well, That's true. I, that, that would be that there we too. probably do at this point in time. Yes, sure. It's definitely a more a more adult it Christmas is. movie, more adult, yeah, you know, than than your typical holiday movies are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's, it's a good great. one though. It's really good. Okay. Well, I, I think that's a good one, Gary. Good job by you. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Right. See, when he when he started, he was like, you know, I've watched it every year. I thought he was going to bring up Wolf of Wall Street again. Right. Well, yeah. no, I was waiting for a rerun. I was going through that. my list. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a Christmas start. tradition. We, <laughs> we pull, gather. I shied away from that. <laughs> it's always out there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's. It's on the TV. It is. It's actually on right now. And I was <laughs> but flipping channels, and then it was there, and I thought of us. It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life will be on a lot during December as well. So yes. uh, make sure to catch that one as well. So I have another 2023 movie that I saw, I think I saw on Netflix. Okay. Pain Hustlers. I don't know if you guys uh, have seen that one. I have, I have not seen it. Yet. Okay. So it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a sad movie. I don't know. It's sort of based on a true story. Of, of a fentanyl-based drug company, which uh, was really sort of uh, peddling their drugs, creating something called speaker programs to encourage doctors to prescribe their drugs. And uh, it's now turned into a movie. Emily Blunt is in it. She's sort of a down-on-her-luck single mom who runs into a pharmaceutical salesman played by Chris Evans in a nightclub where she's actually a dancer, uh, they start up a conversation. He says, oh, you know, uh, you can come work for me. You'll make $100,000 a year. Uh, some more bad things happen in her life, and she reaches out to him. And uh, basically the deal is, uh, yeah, you can make $100,000 a year, but it's all commission sales. Mm-hmm. And we've got this new drug that uh, uh, will help cancer patients uh, ease their pain, uh, you know, but they can't get any doctors to prescribe it. Uh, so it sort of goes into the sort of the the ugly side of pharmaceutical sales and what uh, salespeople go through to sell, which is can be seem a little unseemly at times. Uh, uh, basically, uh, once uh, she she becomes very successful, makes lots of money, the company sort of plateaus at some point in time, and the owners of the company said, well. In addition to cancer, let's just sell it for general pain relief, and mm. people start to have some bad reactions. Some people actually uh, overdose and die, and and uh, not mm. good things happen. Mm-hmm. She uh, sort of comes to the realization that this is a bad thing, and uh, uh, basically she uh, uh, goes to the U.S. district attorney and turns turns them in, and oh, wow. uh, you know, and uh, so I mean it's it's. 
sort of a, it's not necessarily a Christmassy story, but it's sort of a realistic story, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, maybe this is bad of me, but I guess I have some admiration for people that can sell, you know, and mm-hmm. I, you know, coming from a business mm-hmm. background, sure. I always sort of scratched my head saying, why does that person in the company make so much money? Because they can sell. They can sell. And, and, uh, <laughs> you got to have revenue. You got to have revenue. And, uh, you know, and uh, so I, I have an admiration for people that can sell, even though sometimes it can be unseemly. Uh, it's but, of, it's but, a wonderful life. But it, comes, it does come <laughs> back to a morality tale of, uh, of, of not crossing certain lines in your business. And obviously this company... Uh, did and uh, people go to jail and pay the price, including the whistleblower. Uh, hmm. I, and I, I guess I'm giving away too much, but uh, uh, it's it's a well acted, good movie. It's out there on Netflix. I don't I don't think it was in the theaters. I think it was. No, just, I think it went straight to Netflix. I think it was, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. straight to Netflix. But uh, it's yeah, got some language and, and it's dealing with some serious subjects. Uh, it's not for the whole family, but. Uh, uh, it's worth worth giving a watch. Okay, so. and that's Pain Hustlers. Pain Hustlers. Okay. So uh, Emily Blunt, Chris Evans, Andy Garcia is in it, okay. uh, who I think is aging very gracefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, worth a watch. Very good. So, yeah. Anyway, good. So another twenty twenty three movie. You know, I'm, Impressive. I'm not, I know. I was gonna say there was there were some there are some pretty good ones this year yeah. at least uh, for our purposes. So yeah. Okay. All right, so we've given you some good movies to watch, uh, and you know, and, and some time uh, that you can spend over the holidays or after the holidays, whatever. Um, and uh, you know, we like to do a lightning round with uh, our guests, Alan, Chris. You oh guys, boy. you guys up for a little bit of lightning round with us? <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah. I got a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. Very tense. Lightning round questions. Our, yeah. our lightning round uh, this uh, this month is sponsored by a friend of the podcast, Ned Ryerson, and Ned Ryerson Insurance. Whole life, auto flood, home. You can't Bang. have a, You can't have enough insurance. I can't. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? All right. Am I right? Check it out <laughs> on right. the internet. All right. Nice. So we've got some quick questions, quick answers. I tried to clue you into one of my questions because it's not really a quick question for you two. Uh, I see. But what is your all-time favorite movie? Oh my gosh, are you really? I'm asking you, you that. You're, you're dropping that question I'm down gonna, on the table. Well, I, I tried to. Jeez. I tried to give you a little heads up on that one to give you a little bit of time. I thought to you were joking. I, I thought I saw that in the well, the, I mean, the, the, the if notes. You can't think I'm of like, one. Give me one of your all-time favorite movies. Doesn't sure. have to be a Christmas. Go first. So yeah, mine is uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, and it was because I saw it when I was too young. Not because there's anything bad or anything like that in it, but because I didn't understand what the heck was going on. Um, I watched it when it came on TV, and it must have taken like over five nights back then because they would only show like they had so many commercials and stuff. Um, but then I watched it probably again when I was a teenager, and then I watched it in college, and I really fell in love with it in college, and. I see it probably once a year. And can I tell you what it means? No, <laughs> but I have different theories, which we won't go into here because it'd take too long. But just the fact that a movie can entertain me and I can revisit and I've had my kids watch it and they're like, yeah, that was interesting, you know, but they like, they just, yes, yeah, so I, that for me is, and it was one of my first experiences watching a Stanley Kubrick movie. So that move, that kind of did you know, it right there. More relevant today as AI might uh, oh, take over wow. our, our yeah, lives. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Definitely. How is an it early... could be a business movie uh, next year? <laughs> I know. I was going to say <laughs> it's right. it was a harbinger of things to come. So, yeah. yeah. 
Alan, yeah, just don't you, go near airlocks, I guess. If <laughs> yeah, yeah, no airlocks. Yeah. Alan, you want to hazard a guess? I mean, I'll go ahead and just give my default answer, even though it's so cliche. And Chris is going to roll his eyes because he and I disagree <laughs> on this film quite a bit. But uh, it is Citizen Kane. Okay. I mean, I I figured it'd be Citizen Kane or Godfather or one of you. Well, my one, two, three punt, it's Citizen Kane, and then I've got Goodfellas. Actually, I go a different mob uh, related film. On my favorite. But Citizen Kane is still tops. And it's it's not only it's a great movie, I think I'm also more inspired by the way it was made, the talent behind it that was made, and the timing and, and the environment it was made in. Just uh, to look back at, the, I mean, what was 1941, I believe, when it was made? And it's still just an amazing film for that time period. And Orson Welles, I'm... Um, you know, reading biographies and books about him all the time. So anyway, Citizen Kane, that's all yeah, I'm going to say. You want to hazard it? Do you have a favorite movie out of curiosity? He blindsided me. No, I'm just <laughs> curious. I mean, when people ask me that question, I mean, I, what are you going to say? This now? is where you I, could pull in the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> you know, it didn't I'm just saying it's an open, it's an open, uh, it's an open door for it. True. I'm just saying, Gary. Yeah, when people, I, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. Oh, kids. I love Butch Cassidy. Yeah, I wouldn't have like thought of it, but of my, I do. That's I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you that I'm not very technical on the movie side. I'll say Rocky movies. No, Look, the original Rocky. I think original Rocky. Excellent movie. Yeah, excellent original movie. Rocky. That's yeah, it's good. And this wasn't on my list, but I'm going to throw this out to Alan and Chris. Godfather one or Godfather two? Mm. I actually like the the uh, first one. Yeah. I think the second one's a better movie. Um, mm-hmm. However, I will say, get this: the first time I saw The Godfather from start to finish, I was in Russia for the summer with a tour group, and we went to an art museum, and we watched it with a bunch of individuals that were dressed really, really nice. And some of the students, the Russian students, later told me, "Yeah, those people may be." businessmen and when they said it like that that meant they were probably mob related <laughs> so that was my first experience watching that movie so okay. i have sentimental reasons to like the first movie okay. better no, I, yeah. I, I mean i know there's a, a critical <laughs> yeah. debate over Absolutely. the two and uh, as well so yeah. Anyway. yeah uh all right a little little lighter uh christmas turkey ham or other Mm. Oh man, it's all about the ham. Yeah, I'm with. It. We're this is one thing Chris and I are in agreement on. We've been disagreeing on many things this morning on other podcast episodes, okay. <laughs> but yes, we are agreeing on ham. Yeah, Here's turkey. I'm, mm. yeah, we're turkey on this side. All turkey on this I'm, side. I'm, right. I'm a turkey. I'm a turkey. Interesting. Yeah, I love turkey. Interesting. Love turkey. All right. All right. Uh, do you prefer to give gifts or receive gifts? Receive. <laughs> I don't, I, no, that's, actually no i take that back i, I do love giving gifts yeah so. giving giving gifts is fun if i mean depending like my son's a nightmare because you never know what he wants but um my daughter on the other hand she's just very like i don't know very creative and so it's really easy to come up with something random that she'll like so like yeah giving gifts is always fun but sometimes it can be really tough the people know. are hard it's, to it's, buy it's, for it's, my son's terrible to buy for. i know, I know. So. all right last question i like giving you like giving? And I love it even more now that my kids leave me uh, a link to what they really want. There you go. Well, it's a good thing I like giving more than getting, in all honesty, because, you know, with, with kids, I don't really get any gifts <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> you know, I'm still waiting for that point where they get old enough where they yeah, actually start well, giving me gifts. Well, sure. Yeah, we'll I can get tell you that's so. not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. They okay. said, Dad's got what he wants, or that's uh, right, or, or what he deserves. What are the so? <laughs> so I guess the gift giving is always a downward down the yes. down the family chain, never back up again. Right. So, mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right. So, I, and I hope I got this last question right. I might have messed up. So, mm -hmm. I, but you, I'm sure you will correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Cartoon Grinch or Jim Carrey Grinch? Was it Jim Carrey that played the Grinch? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. So, okay. The live action. Cartoon yes. Yes. Grinch. Cartoon Grinch or Jim Carrey oh, Grinch? I mean, I'm. I despise the Jim Carrey and Grinch movie, so I'm going to definitely go cartoon Grinch original. Okay. I actually like, I'm not saying it is a good movie, and it is way too long. Mm -hmm. Alan's just sighing, but I actually like the Jim Carrey Grinch. That's okay. So, no, we're, yeah, we're, we're yeah. not judge. This is a judge-free area here. <laughs> well, I'm judging. Uh, I, am judging. <laughs> so, I think I'm in definitely in the minority on that one. Okay. But, yeah. I mean, I, 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 probably because of the runtime, I, I think I probably prefer the cartoon. Yeah. And, I did too. And, and well, I, and yeah, the cartoon is a classic. Oh, yeah. It is a well, cartoon classic. just yeah. works. So I mean, it does. just works. At a certain works. point yeah. in time, probably grew up with cartoon yeah. branch. And, sure. you know, it's like, we, yeah. we don't need we don't need a live action branch. <laughs> anyway. Now, there was technically a third Grinch. That's true. Which was a CGI animated Grinch movie that came out not just a few years ago. Benedict. Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. playing the Grinch, which is actually... It's better than the Jim Carrey movie, I think. <laughs> Still no no match for the original animated thing. Okay. You, you want to weigh in on Krampus? Or are we, uh, we well, gotta, I like Krampus. Do do Krampus, like Krampus is fun, yeah. <laughs> Krampus is a fun I have movie. not seen that one yet. Yeah. I know of it, but I have not seen it. I mean, it's a good, cheesy I mean, B, I, think I'm, I'm, I don't think I've seen the whole movie, but I'm more familiar with it through uh, the show The League. I think they had some. Oh, I'm, on. I'm, I haven't seen that show, yeah, but uh, Krampus, is, Krampus is pretty fun. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for playing. We like to end up our, our podcast uh, giving a shout out to some small businesses. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, Alan, you guys have any small businesses that you want to give a shout out to? I mean, I do. Yeah. Chris, you want to go first? Sure. So um, I first became aware of the small business that I'm going to nominate, and it would be uh, Biddy and Bo's Coffee. And they actually started in Wilmington, North Carolina in January of 2016. I, however living in my little cave, was unaware of them until I visited Savannah, Georgia, and we came across their coffee shop. My wife was like, oh, yeah, I want to go there. I've seen it on the Today Show. I was like, okay. So we go in, and it was a really cool experience. Of course, the coffee was great, but what makes it special, and I'll get into the little bit of the background of the history, is it was founded by two parents, Amy and Ben Wright, and they had four children. And Lily and Emma Grace, Bo and Biddy. Lily was born with autism, and Biddy and Bo were born with Down syndrome. And so their whole thing was, you know what? As they got, I guess, maybe older and they were having trouble sometimes finding jobs, they said, we're going to make a place where people with intellectual and developmental disabilities can get employed and find jobs and learn, you know, also, you know, job skills and things. And so they founded uh, Biddy and Bo's and it started in Wilmington. And now there's one in Savannah and apparently there's ones all over the place, all over the um, United States. Um, What's cool, too, is they do have a website, which is Biddy and Bo's Coffee, and they sell, like, mugs and T-shirts, also with sayings that are just really cool, you know, like, kind of, you know, broaden your mind, don't, you know, and just little things like that that kind of help you realize, like, yeah, we're all people, you know, so it's kind of a feel-good place to go, but then they also sell stuff online if you want to get an unexpected Christmas gift for somebody. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a really cool, I guess, small herb business because they all just a small mm -hmm. coffee shop. But um, yeah, it's uh, Biddy and Bo's Coffee. That's a great cool store. Yes. So, Alan, you have something? So I'm really, I'm really worried about recommending or talking about this small business. What's your guys' listenership on this show? I mean, is there a lot of people listening to this show? Are they kind of here all in this local area? This is important. I, I need to kind of get a sense for this because... 
I'm partly wanting to keep this a secret, this ah, company, oh, I, and I, but I want to recommend it, but yet I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give them too much business because then it's going to be hard for me to go <laughs> well, and enjoy it. Group right here. Yeah, All right. So this is pretty much it. I don't think they'll get overwhelmed with business. A small, dedicated group of listeners said right. by this time All in right. the show. <laughs> Fine. Well, well I know, I know you're this. a fan of this place. This I know you already establishment. Oh yeah. So you already frequent it. So that's a lost cause. My wife and I, seriously, the first time we went here and we ate there, we drove home saying, okay, we should not tell anybody about this place (laughs) because we love the fact that we can still go on a Friday night and walk in and not have to wait forever. And they'll be busy. I'm sure the owners like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So (laughs) the restaurant is here in uh, the Hickory Newton Conover area. It is Casa Azul Mexican Kitchen. So this took over a uh, Burger King building on Fairgrove Church Road, Burger King. I used to remember when I was growing up around here. And uh, normally when I see a restaurant go in and take over an old fast food place, they normally don't do a Mm -hmm. lot with it. I mean, it's not always the most impressive place on the inside decor and environment wise. But uh, we walked into Casa Azul Mexican Kitchen because my wife and I love Mexican food and we try out a new place if we hear about it. And not only is the food really, really good, the service is great. I've, I have not gone there where I haven't been just pleasantly greeted and treated by staff. But the decor is also amazing. They've really done it to where it's unrecognizable on the inside. You could never have told that this was a, a Burger King mm-hmm. building before. Uh, it really, they, they got the theme right. They've got the environment right. I mean, just, it's a good looking place, a good tasting place. And I love it when a restaurant gets it all right and they're doing everything the right way. Um, my wife and I have decided that when we are done working full time for a living, what we want to do is we love going into restaurants and critiquing to ourselves mm-hmm. the environment. Okay. We feel like restaurants sometimes miss the opportunity to really make an, an, a great environment for their restaurant. The food may be excellent, but if you've got neon light uh, beer light uh, beer signs on the wall and a tv playing uh, uh ncis on the corner and it's just you know you're not really creating an environment for people to want to come enjoy food there we just critique the heck out of these places and just pick <laughs> it apart and we say one day we're actually going to leave a write-up on the table for the owner and be like hey we just gave you a critique of your restaurant by the way just to let you know <laughs> kinder than doing it on yelp you know? right exactly <laughs> yeah i'd rather do it directly i don't right. not want to spread negativity online but uh Casa Azul, we went into, and it's like, we have, we have no notes. I mean, this yeah. is, they've got it. They've got it down. It's great. It's always busy, but we've never had to wait, which is interesting. So that's why I'm nervous to recommend it to too many people. But yet, <laughs> I want the business to be successful. It. Exactly. They do deserve it. Well, you know, based on our last report, you know, we have listeners in California, Colorado, okay. New York, well, then Charlotte, we're worried about you know, that. I mean, okay. But they'll be rushing here. Oh, yeah. To, to, They're coming to the East Coast, to the uh, foothills of North Carolina. I do say right this off is a place. I-40, right off I-40. Yeah. It's off the interstate. It's on Fairgrove Church Road. Casa Azul Mexican Kitchen. It's the only restaurant I can remember having gone to twice, like back-to-back nights for dinner. Nice. Because it just... Really um, like it. Okay. So that is it. Nice. They're doing it right. It's a small business doing it right. I okay. mean, making Mexican restaurants, we have a dime or dozen all over the place nowadays. How do you make yourself stand out? You create a really great environment. And I think that's what they've done with their, their restaurants. So that's yeah. high, high praise from, uh, from judgmental Alan Jack. Very, <laughs> very judgmental. Yes. Yeah. So. 
Gary, what are you, you going to I've got one that will be uh, tied to you and the CVCC family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Plemons family, Nick and his wife Haley. Mm-hmm. Haley's a cosmetologist, uh, knows Tammy very well, obviously, they do, because Tammy used to work with Nick. Mm-hmm. They're opening or have opened Magnolia Salon and Suites in Maiden. Oh, and wow. So it's, uh, it's a nice young family. Okay. Our listeners won't know, but I just was flipping through it. So there's their family. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. A growing family, and Nick's doing well with his job, and she wanted to start a business as well, start a family, and she's awesome in what she does. So uh, we highly recommend people going to the Magnolia Salon and Suites. Okay. So what do they, what do they offer there? I mean, it's a salon, so it's like a – is it hair salon? Is it yeah. uh, okay? And then that's suites. one of her specialties. Is she that does a lot something of where you can stay there? Yes. Well, now good question. Where people can rent? Oh, rent like places. Other hairstylists and other gotcha. folks. Oh, doing I see. Those type okay. Of yes. Gotcha. Good question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's neat. Very good. And that's in Maiden, Maiden, North Carolina, right down the street. And good family. And I know she's very talented. Awesome. So we want to wish her well. Heard of them, so nope. we just it's just. Brand new. Yeah. Nice. Well, look good for the holidays. That's where you can go. There you go. So, you, right. Why'd you look at me when you said that? Uh, <laughs> it's your business, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to recommend a business that I read about in Business North Carolina magazine. It's called Tiny Earth Toys. And uh, they sort of have a unique twist on things in that it is a toy subscription service. Uh, many families, you know, you... Uh, particularly if you have young kids, you probably have a lot of toys lying around that maybe you trip over or step on and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at some point maybe are not age appropriate. So uh, a woman named Rachel uh, Classy uh, launched Tiny Earth Toys in early 2021. Uh, and now it has 16 people working for it, revenue over a, a million dollars, has got some outside investors, has several thousand subscribers, and a 92% monthly retention rate. They deliver toys every two months. Five to- toys cost uh, $35 per month. It goes up from there. Um, and, and they really focus on higher quality toys. They focus on sustainability and want people to buy fewer toys but keep them longer. So if you uh, Google tinyearthtoys.com, you'll find out about them. Just sort of a, a cool twist on the toy business, which feels appropriate this time of year. That's really, I love that idea. Yeah, that's, that's great. great. I mean, really thinking about it, mm-hmm. that's, that makes sense. She did go to the Duke MBA program, Alan, so yeah. don't get too excited <clears throat> about it. So. Okay. Okay. A hush goes over the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank Chris and Alan for joining us today. Uh, and But we'll also say, if you do have a suggestion for a small business in the month, you send it to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. We want to thank Chris and Alan for joining us. Uh, you can check out their podcast. Uh, well, where can they find you guys? Where yeah, can they find so the- Foot Candle Films is our podcast. It's on also on the same mesh.tv podcast network, but you can find it on the you know, same place you can, Entrepreneur Exchange on. Apple Podcast and Google Podcast and Amazon Podcast and all those other places. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and if you go to footcandle.org, you can find yep. out about the Foot Candle Film Society. Yes. Are you accepting members or are we shut down at we this are. point in time? Yeah, no, we, we're letting uh, getting new members in. We've got some room available. So we, we host monthly screenings and uh, film screenings in downtown Hickory, North Carolina every month. And uh, 
Uh, all screenings are open to the public as well, uh, space permitting, but we could do let members kind of come on in for their annual membership for free. And uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we're showing the Joan Baez documentary in two weeks, I yes. believe, or yeah, I believe that's right. Uh, coming up for December and uh, then we'll have some good films in January, February, March too. And a lot of Oscar nominated films, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, and they also put on a film festival each fall here in beautiful Hickory, North Carolina. I've gotten a lot of uh, notoriety for that as well. So and this will be our 10th year wow. coming up. Wow. 2024 is our 10th year. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so we, we thank you for the work that you guys do mm-hmm. locally. We thank you for being on our podcast. Gary, Merry Christmas. Happy Merry holidays. Christmas to you. Happy holidays to you and everybody. Yeah, wish all our listeners happy holidays. We will look forward to talking with you again next month. And everyone have a, a safe, great holiday season. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.